welcome to A Diary is Yes Indeed, a weekly digest of my online journal. My name is Ren Powell, but the quote, A Diary is Yes Indeed, belongs to Gertrude Stein. Like Stein, I believe glimpses into one another's daily lives makes us recognize ourselves and feel less alone. And that's always a good thing. Thank you for listening. Episode 19, 2021, May 10th, All the Things. I'm not a silver linings kind of gal, not a look on the bright side person. Not because I insist on wallowing, but that I believe I need to allow myself to accept what is hard or unpleasant or destructive for what is, honestly. I need to see this thing for what it is and acknowledge the real consequences. It seems to me that looking for bright sides is gaslighting oneself, a kind of emotional sleight of hand. That said, life is full of things, dark things and bright things, and sometimes it does help to keep the nourishing things in view while dealing with the things that can kill us. I remember seeing a drawing a few years ago of a dark tangle of lines inside a small circle. It represented grief. The image was followed by a larger circle with the same size dark tangle of lines inside. The idea being that grief doesn't get smaller, but that life goes on and becomes fuller, and the grief takes up less space in our lives. I'm no expert on grief. But this makes sense to me, and I see no reason why it wouldn't help to look around and make my life larger in the present, to make my circle of awareness larger. These past months have been fluid in terms of hours and activities. My tight schedule raveled and my tasks haphazardly completed if they've been completed. It has felt like a working vacation, which is neither work nor vacation. And now this new grief that spills over everything. It's time to tidy up, to put things in order. I can't wipe away the trauma that is not my trauma, that is my trauma, but I can gather all the things and put them in their place. I can't stick grief on a shelf and turn the dark side to the wall. It is there. But there is more here. It's 5.30 now. The dog has been out to pee and E has put on his running clothes. The blackbirds are singing in the driveway and the sun is trying hard to shine through the mist. I've opened the small greenhouse doors. The kale has already bolted into bright yellow flowers and the strawberries have resurrected on their own and the white blossoms are begging for bees. Maybe this year I'll get berries. I know I can't control the chaos of life. The world is random and changing, but I can create systems through which to view it. It seems to me that it is a basic human instinct, even if it is a bit like herding cats, as they say. The morning dove, I swear, is calling now from the railway's overhead line. A slug on a tree stump, 
and her world is as soft as ice cream on your tongue. May 11th, 2021. Longing for warmth. Yesterday was the first morning this year that we've had a southern wind, soft, not the cutting cold that blows in from the North Sea. It was such a gray, dull morning that I would have missed it had E not pointed it out. My body opens in the warmth. My spine centers itself. Or probably, more accurately, my chest, my heart, stops retreating from the world, huddling. When I first moved to Norway, I thought it odd that so many people considered it a human right to vacation in the south of Europe each year. I thought it was very Marie Antoinette-like. There were articles in the paper about how children whose families couldn't afford it were impoverished. I still think that, but I do understand now that beyond the privilege, there is a physical longing for warmth that overrides the intellect. The body thinks me, me, me. It thinks survival. The cold is a predator, a trial by ice. There's a legend that Norwegians would leave newborns in the snow overnight. If they lived, they would take them home again. There are winter Norwegians and summer Norwegians, the huddling, cold, keep-to-yourself-hide-in-your-den Norwegians, and the come-join-us-for-a-beer Norwegians, and usually the winter has condensed them so much it can take a beer to pry them open. Or on a hike in the wilderness, in a southern wind. They're open then. By February every year, I am so contracted, I am almost stone. I become obsessed with thoughts of the Mediterranean. I dream of safaris in the Serengeti and treks through humid rainforests in Peru. And where I live is not that cold, really. But for someone from Southern California, from Nevada and Texas, it is cold enough to feel like death. No, it's more than that. It's a matter of association. When I moved from the States to Norway, I landed among war monuments, war ruins, like old Nazi bunkers, trenches, and cannon fortifications. History lives here in the landscape, not just in my grandfather's memory or in books. Death lives here. When I arrived, I got pregnant, a risky, precarious pregnancy. I spent five months in the hospital alone. Death hovers here. The shift in geography coincided with a shift in my comprehension, mortality, legacy. Grandfather died while I was here so far away, among his memories. The world is always a threatening place, but more fairy tale than newspaper articles when I was younger. Consequences were romanticized, a child anticipating an earthquake or a hurricane with a distance of innocence. Now I long for the warmer climates with the same distance of innocence. I know that. Death is everywhere that there is life. So I settle for the mild warmth of the southern wind. Geese arrive as long-necked V-shaped patterns overhead, black against sky.
May 12, 2021, Coming Back to Gratitude. Anything dead coming back to life hurts. I have repeated this phrase so often, written it so often, that it is completely removed from its origin in Beloved. Maybe not removed, but it has spilled over and is my own personal truth now. I have Renaults, which means a couple times a month my feet or hands turned white, then warming, they turn black briefly, and it hurts. The circulation beginning again, blood pushing into constricted spaces, hurts. Today I'm lurching around the house after this morning's run. My Achilles is stiff, clenched, and doesn't want to play. We're so far into spring now that even at 6 a.m. we've missed the sunrise. If I run before riding in the mornings, I think we can catch another week of pink skies before running at sunrise becomes an unreasonable idea. This year, it makes me sad to think about having missed a season, a spring, orange mornings and noticing the gradual increase of birdsong. I'm not whipping myself for being ill, but I can count the number of springs I may have left. It is easy to get snagged by the fear to get stuck among the losses, and moving forward takes a surprising amount of effort. It's almost painful. I don't want to waste another spring. Because of my Achilles, I stopped for a minute among the trees. I noticed each distinct bird. Well, I tried to. (laughs) The tits are easy to identify. So are the morning doves and the blackbirds, of course. But others are strangers. Something is making a ratcheting kind of ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. I wonder, do swans make any sounds other than hissing? I've never seen oyster catchers along the lake or heard them. They stay over in the ponds at the park near the skateboarding ramps. I have no idea why. And I only hear the lapwings there in the evenings when I can't see them. E and I have been talking about moving again, and there is a part of me longing to move into the woods somewhere. I think the desire began in childhood with fairy tales and forests, with candied houses and witches that could be shoved into ovens and be done with. Snow White could talk to the animals. Wild birds would land on her finger and she would sing. Disney filled a Las Vegas kid's head with entirely unreasonable hopes. I found a place, actually. Not a candied house, but a house near a lake, surrounded by trees, but far from public transportation. I would need to buy a car. I would need to drive daily. So I guess we're not moving yet. Sometimes I forget that this location, this house, was a compromise and that I am happy here. For now for the next 15 years until I can retire, I will catch what I can of birdsong and be grateful for it. When I give Leonard his morning treat and instead of running off to fold himself in under the coffee table, he leans his head against my thigh and stares up at me. I'll pretend he's singing. Green hearts between trees, white bells above the green hearts, call to the cuckoo, Sour apple flowing from thin stems to quench her thirst. 
May 13th, 2021. Ascension. It's a holiday, so I slept an extra hour before coming to work, or rather, coming to sit at my desk at work while the students rehearse their final productions. The coffee machine is down. The alarm keeps announcing that there are intruders in the building, and I can't seem to settle into writing. There are days like these, where I seem to be standing beside myself and moving this shell around the house or through the streets, or in the corridors here, puppet fingers on the keyboard. When people say that they can't get it together, this is what I think of, feeling out of it, out of sync with myself. And I know that this means I should get my body on the mat. I should run through a flow and meditate and pull myself together. Yoga, literally, yoking the body and the mind. But here I sit at the desk in this enormous building, alone on the third floor behind a series of locked glass doors and alarm sensors, the day having run away from me. I find myself clenching my jaw, fighting a ridiculous urge to chase the hours down and do them over again. I wish I were an animator. I'd like to draw this on a light blue background. Actually, I taught myself Flash way back when, when the iPad came out and killed Flash almost instantly. I had to redesign my entire doctorate plans, which had centered around an animated book. I should have pushed on, really. I think it was then that I got the bug to make books by hand. I have always been a woman of one extreme or the other. All those hours and nothing to show for it, gone in an instant instead of falling apart with the dignity of old vellum and leather. This week, I have been paying close attention to my emotions. Anger, shame, and the relationship between the two. Regret, anger, shame, and the relationship among the three. And fear, always fear. There is an upside to standing beside yourself sometimes. I am trying to change my perspective and think of all of this living as I would a single experience of skydiving or whatever it is that makes a person feel frightened and very much alive. I am very much alive these days. Just not in a way that looks good on Instagram. What cannot not be and cannot be considered what will startle you, then hide so well you wonder if death is just a bad dream. May 14th, 2021. A morning page of little consequence. The rain has stopped, and the birds are singing, chirping, actually, so not the usual blackbirds. Someday I will learn them all. I wish there were an app that would identify birds based on a recording. I'm assuming they're sparrows, the fat little bullies who dare to vie with the magpies for the seeds in our feeder. Now, as though I summoned them, there is an entire chorus coming from the neighbor's yard. Crows, gulls, and even a blackbird. I wonder what birds think of rain. It's a cotton morning, white and gauzy. And I'm looking forward to running on the trail where everything will be wet and bright by contrast. 
As much as I long for sunshine, sometimes I believe the world is far more beautiful in the context of weather. The shocking greens under the slate skies, the oranges that shine through the fog. The world seems richer, more interesting. Even the sounds seem different. I wonder if they are, actually. If humidity affects sound waves, I'll make a note to look it up. I try to remind myself of this when things are difficult, to look around and notice the details, the softness that is more present when the weather moves in, the way moments can resonate when snagged by the gauzy air. Tomorrow I want to drive into town and run the old trail where I used to count frogs this time of year. 40, 50. I know it's a strange kind of activity, but it is life-affirming. I feel that if the frogs are surviving, there's hope. We occasionally see a frog here on the morning run, but the lake has too many algae for them to really thrive. The runoff from the farms is intense, and the cleansing ponds help, but not enough. The swans don't seem to mind. And I think there are a few fish in the lake, and I know that eels have survived in the water even when the algae was so thick it was life-threatening to people. Something always survives. I have yet to see a duckling this year, but I'm still hoping. I know they're there. Last year's signets are dusted still with the browns of innocence. That was it for this week. You've been listening to me, Ren Powell, poet and teaching artist living in the southwest of Norway. For more information about my books, mentoring services, or Mad Orphan Lit, please see my website, renpowell.com, R-E-N-P-O-W-E-L-L.com, where you can also sign up for a newsletter. I hope you will listen in again next week. Until then, take care. <laughs>